millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Beyond Terrestrial Podcast Halloween Edition. My name is Michael Roop, and I am alongside Lee Eretz. Tonight, we will be discussing the origins of Halloween, and following that up with a few true stories that we particularly found enjoyable. let's jump right into it the ancient origins of halloween we are sourcing directly from history.com so you know that we're only half full of shit only half only half yeah um all right so halloween's origins date back to the ancient celtic festival of Samhain. The Celts, who lived 2,000 years ago in the area that is now ireland the united kingdom and northern france celebrated their new year on november 1 This day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter, a time of year that was often associated with human death. Celts believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. On the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain, when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, the Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids, or Celtic priests, to make predictions about the future. 
For a people entirely dependent on the volatile nature of the natural world, these prophecies were an important source of comfort and direction during the long dark winter. To commemorate the event, Druids built huge sacred bonfires where people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifice to the Celtic deities. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. When the celebration was over, they relit their hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier that evening, from the sacred bonfire to help protect them during the coming winter. By 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. In the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic islands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. The first was Feralia, a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. The second day, to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees, probably explains the bobbing for apples that is practiced today on Halloween. On May 13, 609 AD, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Pantheon in Rome to honor all Christian martyrs. The Catholic feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church. Pope Gregory III later expanded the festival to include All Saints Day as well as All Martyrs Day and moved the observance from May 13th to November 1st. By the 9th century, the influence of Christianity had spread into Celtic lands where it gradually blended with and supplanted the other Celtic rites. In 1000 AD, the church would make November 2nd All Souls Day a day to honor the dead. It's widely believed today that the church was attempting to replace the Celtic Festival of the Dead with a related church-sanctioned holiday. All Souls Day was celebrated similarly to Samhain, with big bonfires, parades, and dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. The All Saints Day celebration was also called All Hallows, or All Hallow Mass, from Middle English All Hallow Messe, meaning All Saints Day and the night before it, the traditional night of Samhain in the Celtic religion began to be called All Hallows' Eve and eventually Halloween. Halloween comes to America. The celebration of Halloween was extremely limited in colonial New England because of the rigid Protestant belief system there. Halloween was much more common in Maryland and the southern colonies. As beliefs and customs in different European ethnic groups as well as American Indians meshed, a distinct American version of Halloween began to emerge. The first celebrations included play parties, public events held to celebrate the harvest, where neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, and dance and sing. Colonial Halloween festivals also featured the telling of ghost stories and mischief-making of all kinds. By the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivities were common, but Halloween was not yet celebrated everywhere in the country. In the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants. These new immigrants, especially millions of Irish fleeing the Irish potato famine, helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally. Borrowing from Irish and English traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house asking for food or money, a practice eventually became today's trick-or-treating. Young women believed that on Halloween they could divine the name or appearance of their future husband by doing tricks 
with yarn, apple parings, or mirrors. In the late 1800s, there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghosts, pranks, and witchcraft. At the turn of the century, Halloween parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the day. Parties focused on games, foods of the season, and festive costumes. Parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of Halloween celebrations. Because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century. Stupid parents. That's censorship all over again. That's censorship all over again. Yeah. Alright. Well, that's cool. Um... Most of that I think I knew. Um, what about you? Well, I mean, I was reading it, so I knew it as I was reading it. I, I did well, like have a decent understand understanding of a lot of that. Yeah. However, it it was interesting to read it in a more written down and um, clear way. Like a timeline of events. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, let's get into some stories. Lee, do you want to start us out? Sure. This first story, actually both of my stories, are from a book by Hannah J. Tidy, or um, might be Titties, I don't know. Um, Hannah Titties? Hannah Titties. <laughs> I knew a Hannah Titties back I, in the day. I think I did too. She was a nice girl. She was very nice. We all liked her. <laughs> Everyone liked her. <laughs> Horror stories. Terrifying real stories. House That Bleeds On September 8, 1987, Mr. and Mrs. Winston discovered a large amount of blood had suddenly appeared in four of the six rooms of their house. The phenomenon started just when Miss Winston, Minnie, stepped out of the bathtub that night. She was shocked to see blood all over the bathroom floor. She and her husband, William, were both just under 80 years old. So instinctively, she panicked, thinking that her husband might have been gravely injured. Upon checking on him, Miss Winston found William quite well and not bleeding. They walked through the house, stunned in amazement, seeing blood spattered everywhere. Pools of blood were found in the kitchen, the living room, and the bedroom. There was blood on the walls, under some of their appliances, even in the basement. The Winstons began to clean up the blood as best they could, despite the volume, and proceeded to call the police. The Atlanta Police Department was dispatched to investigate. The police described the scene as soaked with copious amounts of blood. The blood was collected and tested by a crime lab to determine the blood type, which ended up being O positive. Neither Mr. nor Mrs. Winston's blood type was O positive. Obviously, the blood had not come from them. Police continued to investigate, going through all the possible scenarios. Did they have guests recently? No. Did they have any animals in the house? There were no pets in the house. While Mr. Winston's health regimen included dialysis at home, the blood was already confirmed to not belong to either of them. Everyone was at a complete loss. The nation picked up the story and it showed up on talk shows, news reports, in newspapers. People all over the nation were speculating about the cause of this bloody occurrence. Theories flew and imagination soared. Everything was proposed, from an elaborate hoax to a demonic 
infestation. Further investigations revealed, interestingly, that the blood spatter found in the house were different patterns. There was blood seemingly sprayed in areas from something like a spray bottle, while in other areas it looked like it was spilled or dumped. There were small droplets of blood and large streaks on the wall. Areas that had appeared to be sprayed on the wall, suggestive of a spray bottle, was pointed in a downward direction, and in some instances, the sprayed blood appeared to be many feet above the floor, indicating height. While the home was analyzed like a crime scene, the police did conclude that they did not believe Mr. or Mrs. Winston were suspect in any sort of crime. Sometime later, a private investigator, acting on his own interest in the case, decided to contact the Winstons and conducted an interview with them to perhaps get to the bottom of the mystery. The PI also contacted the police, only to find that the case had been closed in less than six months, and the detective that was the original investigator was not with the police department anymore. This much the private investigator discovered. While the Winstons are a pleasant couple, they however are very apprehensive about discussing the occurrence of the blood. Mrs. Winston stated that she and her husband had lived there for 22 years and had never experienced any strange instances until then and became agitated when talking about it. She claimed that it was not in fact blood that manifested but rather rust and mud mixed with water that had come from a burst pipe. She did not seem swayed by the fact that the evidence had been thoroughly tested by police and confirmed to be blood by a crime lab. Mrs. Winston said that if, if it had indeed been blood, then she would not have been able to continue to stay in the house. Therefore, it could not possibly be blood. Further, she denied any strange occurrences have ever happened in the house while he, she and her husband had lived there, thus ignoring any questions pertaining to the house possibly being a site of some type of supernatural power. There were known facts of the Winston family that suggested a possible motive for committing a hoax. The Winstons had access to blood because of Mr. Winston's kidney dialysis treatment. Likewise, the Winston's daughter had access to blood as well, due to her working in a hospital. There was a rumor that their children staged the hoax in order to have Mr. and Mrs. Winston declared incompetent for financial reasons. Another theory was the older couple staged the event to generate attention. Whatever the speculation, the Winstons continued to deny the occurrence was a hoax until their death. Although this was a very disturbing and unique case, it's not the first bleeding house that has been documented in our world's history, and it certainly will not be the last. Such a weird phenomenon. You I know. know. It's so strange. And that's a big part of why I wanted to to read that particular story is the the Bleeding Walls comes out in so many different haunted house stories. Yeah. I mean it's become so <clears throat> prolific within the um store or within um the horror themes. The horror themes yeah. that uh while this may not be the origin of that it really does give you a, a thought like, well, there is some truth behind all of these horror stories that are out there. Yeah, yeah, it's coming from somewhere. That's what's so crazy about it. Is, yeah, yeah, it is. It's coming from somewhere. So, I mean, I mean there's got to be some sort of basis in truth. So, mm -hmm. you know. Well, and that, that's, that's what I believe. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you know. I'm reading this story. Uh, I'm not even certain that it, this one wasn't a hoax. I, yeah. I have a strong feeling that there was a hoax in there somewhere. It's very possible. I um, don't know who was hoaxing who, but mm -hmm. I feel like there was definitely a hoax there. I think 
if I was to take a shot at who was doing it and why, I would say it was the children of the older couple, mm-hmm. the daughter especially. Um, and like like they said, you know, one of the theories was that they had tried to get them um, committed essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for financial reasons, and um, what's an easier way to do it um, if you were than make him appear just completely insane? You know, mm-hmm. you know that's the fastest. That's the fast track to getting them committed. You know, and, and if that like was they're the losing case, their minds, they're, they're putting blood all over the walls and underneath everything. Exactly. And if that was the case, it was very well thought out because mm-hmm. she knew that it could be pinned on them, just hoaxing the whole situation. Because he, because the father had the dialysis treatment, which gave him yeah. the access to that. Exactly. And because O positive blood is a universal donor, mm-hmm. which we learned, yeah. um, that means that uh, it was very easy to get a hold of, and it was likely within his yeah. grasp as well as theirs. Yeah, as well for as sure. Hers. Yeah, for sure. You know, all she needs to do. What What year did this happen in? Does it say? Because if it was a little bit older, I, I'm, I'm sure... Rest- 1987. Okay, so, I mean, even still, you know, it's not real old. But, um, you know, there, was, there probably wasn't as many restrictions in those times, you know. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, so, 1987, I think that was before the big HIV worry and stuff like that. Was it? So, well... Let's- it was sometime in the 80s is when all that was going yeah. on. But, um, you know, but yeah, Opa, you're going to find that in a hospital because it's mm-hmm. universal. Anybody can have it, you know. Mm-hmm. And theoretically, back then, it was easier to get a, get your hands on, not have to worry or not have to be caught because it was probably just used more readily back then, yeah. too. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Super interesting yeah. phenomenon. I remember my, my dad telling me about that uh, when I was a kid and it haunted me. Man, <laughs> how creepy would you know? that be to like, like just get out of the I can't shower? Even imagine, and your whole house is just covered in blood. Ugh. I mean, I'd freak out too. It would be. A t- it would be. It's the thing of nightmare. It's. Yeah. A, it's. It's. Yeah. And kudos to them. They're like trying to clean it up. They're like, oh, maybe we should call the police. Like, <laughs> yeah. I would be out of that house. I would be just gone. Like, yeah. Nope. Hey, demon. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, you know, I mean, they could have been doing it for um, some sort of attention. You know, that was, that was, there was a lot in those days. um, There was a lot of hype around this type of stuff Mm -hmm. with the Warrens and all that, which kind of leads me into my story. Your story. Yes, sir. Um, But um, so, yeah, I mean, they could have been been trying to get some attention. You had the satanic panic going on. Yeah. Yeah. my thought process. Yeah, that was around then, right? Right around that time, the, with the satanic panic, I don't anticipate them wanting to do it themselves, just because I would think they might think that they would be accused of worshiping the devil, right? And that was like the worst thing that could happen right around that time frame. Yeah. So. True. Yeah. I mean, um, it's hard to say. You know, they could come and be like, "There's demons in my house. My the blood. You know, there's blood coming from the walls and." A lot of people would believe them. Yeah. And where was that at? Because it seems like a lot of that stuff happened up in the Northeast for it some reason. Doesn't it doesn't say, unfortunately. Hmm. Oh, it was Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, the Atlanta okay. Police Department were the ones to be dispatched, so hmm. had to be close to Atlanta. Yeah. Wow, how interesting. 
Interesting story. So, um, have you ever seen um, The Haunting in Connecticut? I have not. Yeah. But like you said, you knew about the Warrens and all I that. I do know about the Warrens. The I've, I've seen many Warren. of their, their stories. All right. So, <clears throat> what I'm going to read is the backstory behind that movie, uh, The Haunting in Connecticut. I love it. I love that movie. I loved it since the first time I saw it. Um, it's a really controversial, you know, as far as... Because the movie says it's based on true events, but it's it's very controversial as to the story. So we're going to see if we can't get to the bottom of this here. But, um... So... <clears throat> uh, back in 1986, Carmen and Al Snedeker moved to the small town of Southington, Connecticut... With the purpose of being closer to the hospital at which their oldest son was being treated for for Hodgkin's lymphoma. Having fallen hard on financial times, the family jumped at the chance to rent what appeared to be the perfect house. It was large enough for their family, which included three children and a cousin. And the rent was in and the rent was in their affordable price range. It was while they were moving in that Al made a startling discovery. In the basement was a peculiar room that was complete with embalming tables and tools. The house, it turned out, used to be a funeral home. Moreover, the basement, which was sectioned into several rooms, was the only room deemed large enough to serve as the two boys' bedroom. Not long after, Carmen says she began experiencing strange phenomena like items disappearing and her children reporting seeing strange people in the house, as well as hearing voices and the sounds of hundreds of birds taking flight. <clears throat> That's a strange one, too. It always seems to pop up. In. Mm-hmm. Birds. Yeah. Birds, yeah. yeah. Um, also with Warren cases, which is really strange. All the Warren like with cases, the conjuring like, and whatnot. Yeah, so many Warren cases have so many links or similarities. Yeah, um, we'll discuss my view of the Warrens after this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, they're an interesting couple for sure. <clears throat> All right. So her oldest, who was at the time in the middle of radiation treatment, began to exhibit radical personality shifts, becoming withdrawn and angry. He brooded and began writing poetry with necrophiliac themes. Freaky. During one intense episode, he attacked his cousin with the intent to rape her. His family had him arrested and taken for an evaluation where he was pronounced schizophrenic. He was removed from the house and seemed to get better until returning. Other phenomena that were reported by the Snedekers included, included the repeated and brutal rape of both Carmen and her niece as well as acts of sodomy being performed on her husband by unseen entities. Mop water was reported to turn blood red, and the scents of rotting flesh and decay were reported throughout the house. She was also frightened of apparitions that she saw, one with black hair and black eyes, the other with white hair and eyes, and wearing a pinstripe tuxedo. It was then that Carmen decided to contact controversial paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. So, what do you, what is it with Ed and Lorraine Warren? With you, what's your deal with them? I bluntly, I 
<laughs> I think that they are full of shit in like 70% of their cases. Really? Now, everything that they, every case that they've got has you some. Do, you do realize that they're the most respected paranormal investigators. Don't care. Of they're all full time. of shit. Of all time. They're full of shit. Right. I don't care. No, it, everything that, I mean, they started out, Ed and, Ed and Lorraine Warren started out, Ed would go out in front of a house and he would start painting the house. And then when the people would like literally just with just painting a picture of the house and then the people would obviously come out and be like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, your house is haunted and I like to paint haunted houses. Would you like to buy this painting? (laughs) Come on. Seems like a good business plan. What are you talking about? (laughs) It seems like a money grab. That's the thing. But that's the thing. Everything that I see with them seems like a money grab. Now, yo, medium's got to make money too, man. I get that. And and I, I do respect that they never went after the people that are experiencing these weird stories. Mm-hmm. So they never ask these people that are, you know, maybe experiencing some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that those that their experiences aren't real. Yeah. I think that Ed and Lorraine Warren spent so much time getting to all of these ones. And the only reason they're the most expect respected is because they did the most research supposedly um but they did thousands of reports over the course of a few year period mm-hmm. and those thousands of reports um didn't make sense i mean they'd have to well, be doing one well, a day the, you know well i mean i don't know if it was thousands over a few years but maybe over their career you know which spanned a very long time okay. but um but what made them so respected was the knowledge, yeah, the knowledge that they had, okay. you know, behind all this stuff. Um, and my understanding is that Ed was uh, a bit more of the um, the well, grounding, the foundation of the two. So he wasn't like she was. She was like the medium, you know, and she was the mm-hmm. one that was all crazy or whatever, you know. But. Um, Okay. Uh, but, you know, he was a little bit more respected and, yeah, they would do, you know, they had, the, you know, as much as someone like that can be respected by mm-hmm. the mainstream, you mm-hmm. know, just not very much. Fair enough. But, Fair enough. And and maybe it's just me. And, and it's not like they came out and said that every single one of these things was, was real either, you know. They okay. come out and be like, that's haunted, that's haunted, that's haunted, that's haunted, that's haunted. You know, they, they frequently, you know debunked okay things you know so it's not like they were trying to make everything haunted or anything like that they frequently were debunking things Mm -hmm. you know i don't know i mean that's that's maybe me cherry picking what i want to know about them but it could be you know the opposite with you too it could be the opposite with me i'm not together we make an ed and lorraine ed and lorraine warren power couple No, it, it's just my opinion, yeah. um, and I just see it as, and like I said, I've got to give them credit. I really do, because I do know that they never went after the pe- they never tried to get money from the people that are experiencing these weird yeah. situations, yeah. Um, but they had hundreds of books, movie rights, mm-hmm. I mean, they had tons of books, tons mm-hmm. of movie rights. I mean, there was one point where they sold the movie rights to their stories to, like, uh, the WB or something like Warner brothers. Mm-hmm. And then Warner brothers got sued because they had already sold the rights to the stories to another book writer. Really? 
Um, and then they're just in the middle, like, whoopsie. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that'd, be kind of a, that'd be kind of stupid. Yeah. That, to me, makes me feel like, were they just trying to get as much money as they could out of the situation? No, I'm sure they were trying to make a living, for sure. You um, know? So, I mean, I would say they are probably overrated, you know? Um, and maybe that's kind of like where you're falling in the spectrum with them is that maybe they're a little overrated. And that's fair because I yeah. honestly don't believe that every situation that they were involved in is made up. I don't right. think that they're full of crap on everything. Yeah. Um, I do think that they sensationalized many things in order to I'm sure. make a better story in the end. It's hard to say though, because most of all those things that we know of they're meant, we, we, we reach them through entertainment mediums. Exactly. So like, who knows That's what true. they're? Who knows That's what true. they're? Who really knows? Yeah, how it actually. Ed went and Lorraine down. Warren are the only ones that really know. They could, well, and on that point, there'll be something very interesting at the end of this article. Okay. With that. So, sorry to stretch that out. And, um, no, that's okay. This isn't a super long story, so I kind of wanted it to be more conversational, anyways. Okay. Um, all right. So, along with John Zafis and a few investigators, the Warrens moved into the house for several weeks until they'd experienced everything the Snedgers claimed. During their time in the house, they claimed to have seen firsthand the damage that demons in the home could inflict with many members being slapped and beaten, pushed, and slammed to the floor. <clears throat> Investigation into the history of the house supposedly revealed that one of the undertakers at the funeral home was found guilty of necrophilia, which fed fuel to the fire. A lot of necrophilia in this story. I know. Yeah. I mean, I can't... It. I'm kidding. It's, it's, ha <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's you Halloween. You should Mike's eyes it, when he said that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go with it, but I'm like... <sighs> Got to turn that one away. It's too yeah, much. it's too much. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, one of the undertakers at their funeral home was found to be guilty of necrophilia, which fed fuel to the fire. It got to the point that the Warrens deemed it necessary for a full-scale exorcism of the property, after which, after which the house was judged cleared by the Warrens. With the evil banished from the house, that should have been the end of the story. But it wasn't. So, <clears throat> as I said, there's a fair amount of controversy with this whole thing. Uh, like another Warren investigation, the infamous Lutz House in Amityville, there have been numerous claims by people who lived in the house both before and after the Snedker family that there have never been any evil entities in the house. In fact, the family's claim to have no knowledge that the home was once a funeral parlor was refuted by the house's owner. Perhaps the most damning evidence that the whole event was a hoax came from horror novelist Ray Garten, who was contracted to write the book In a Dark Place with the Warrens and the Snedkers. According to Garten, it was difficult to write a true story because none of the involved parties could keep their story straight seemed everyone was contradicting everyone else when he and Ed Warren with the problem when he went to Ed Warren with the problem Garton wrote in a post dated April 27th 1999 quote he told me not to worry that the family was crazy I was shocked he said all the people who come to us are crazy you think sane people would come to us he knew I'd written a lot 
of horror novels prior to that, so he told me to just make the story up using whatever details I could, uh, whatever details I could incorporate in the book and make it scary. Uh, furthermore, others who lived in the house during and prior to the same time have similar stories to tell. Sure, they say, there were a few odd occurrences, but nothing near the scale that the Snedkers claimed. Many point to the Warrens as investigators and others as enablers. So, so that's interesting, you know. Going back to my, my original point. Now, yeah. let me look at it through a positive light, though. I didn't know on the front side of this that, well, I did once you read it, that their boy was really sick. He had medical issues. Mm-hmm. Um, they're struggling financially. I mean, that's why they're in the house. Uh Maybe, just maybe, Ed Warren was like, okay, something weird is going on here. It's not as weird as they think it is. Um, and they're really going on all out on this and taking it to a level much farther than what's necessary. Mm-hmm. But how can I help them? I can get their story to make some money for them. Uh, maybe. Um, I don't really think of it that way. Um, and that that's just what I'm imagining, trying to take out of that, that conversation that he had with that writer. Mm-hmm. Like, just take care of him. Just get him a story that's going to make him some money. Yeah, and that was the big thing is like a lot of people point to that as being like the most damning evidence that like Ed was like, mm-hmm. they're crazy, you know, make it up. But that doesn't necessarily, in my mind, discount what happened. Mm-hmm. That's more along the lines of giving the writer a little bit more creative freedom to write the book and make it scary because obviously like the point we talked about earlier we're reading a lot of their claims through a medium of entertainment mm-hmm. yeah so the guy's gonna make the book scary they're gonna make the big hollywood movie scary oh, scarier yeah. than what it was but it also says in there that um that they did stay in the house. They went on record saying that they did stay in the house and experience the same things as the Snedker family experienced. And it wasn't just Ed and Lorraine. It was other, it was people, other people as too. well. Yeah. And they experienced the same thing. Other paranormal so, investigators, you know. So there was something to the story. There's it's something not, to it. Um, Here's the thing is a lot of um, demonic like type of uh, occurrences and like the presence of, you know, like demonic entities and stuff they say um that it essentially thrives on um fear and stress and negativity mm-hmm. you know it's so, the, it's like the same thing as like the archons and things mm-hmm. you know so um, that would it, that would also explain somewhat of why the son who was very sick at the time very sick there's a lot of stress going on there's a house. lot of stress going on He's very sick. He's mm-hmm. already in a dark place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is hard to stay positive when you're yeah, that sick. You're close to dying. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got to be impossible. And then you have the added influence of some supernatural being just trying to f with you. Yeah. Um, it just amplifies on top it of just it. Has it just has to amplify it. Yeah. Exactly. You get this huge pit of just extremely enormously negative energy in the house. Exactly. Something's gonna happen. Yeah. You know, something's gonna happen yeah. there. So. Um, a lot of people, like I said, it's super, super controversial, but to me, there's some, there is something there just based on those facts alone. And then when he went away, he got a little bit better and whatnot, mm-hmm. but things are still going on at the house. What do you think? Cause you know, like 
their son who 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 was struggling with battling with cancer was just deemed schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. You know, and now he's schizophrenic and di- battling yeah. cancer. Like, how much worse can it like, get? What the hell? You know, like it you're, doesn't get any worse. You're than that. broke. Your yeah. son's got cancer. You're, you know, you're spending all the, any and all of your money to get these ca- these cancer treatments. You're just completely broke. You're on and the now, verge of, and now he's schizophrenic as and well. Now he's schizophrenic. So. And that's just yeah. So there was some there was some shit going on mm-hmm. there for sure. Um, it's hard to decipher though and get like a real meaning, um, especially when it involves the Warrens because mm-hmm. um, they're so prolific. And, and I think the hardest part is the fact that so many of these supernatural stories, demonic investigation stories, involve the Warrens. Yeah. Not just as like consultants. Mm-hmm. They're the they're the ones that officially state that it is something demonic yeah. or something, and. Yes, they may be the most respected, but that also puts them out there as the most likely to be called, you're full of crap. Yeah. They're still possible to be wrong. Mm -hmm. So I have to admit that... In some cases, they probably are completely full of crap, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, they're, you know, um, (laughs) they didn't do as many investigations last month and they're running a little short on cash, Mm -hmm. you know, if I got to say, hey, man, I saw something over in the corner there. Mm-hmm. Get a little more attention. It's or guarantee that like, happened, but or like know. I have absolutely no explanation for this situation. Yeah, none whatsoever. Got to be a demon, like, right? I, I can imagine myself going to. Well, that. I mean, he like, he was a very school demonologist, and so I don't think he probably wouldn't have put his, um, you know, reputation on the line unless mm-hmm. he thought that it was demonic in some sort of way. It was either him or both of them. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe both of them. Well, being he was he was supposed to be a demonologist. She yeah. was supposed to be a medium. A medium, yeah, yeah. So it's a little easier for her. She can kind of do whatever she wants because she can just she's, be like, "Oh, there's like, ghosts." She's, she's a medium, you know. It's like she mm-hmm. just kind of gets things she's and goes. I think most mediums are like, I mean, they're just complete, absolute fakes. You know what I mean? Most all of them. I'm sure there's a few real mediums out there in the world. I'm not going to say that there's not. but I, um, I feel like the real mediums don't care. They're not yeah. trying to get any recognition. They're not trying to make money off of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I believe they're the real be mediums. The movies. Yeah. I mm-hmm. believe the real mediums probably have no idea they're really mediums. Man, it's totally possible. They just kind of are, you know, they just kind of know things, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's, I would say that that's probably more along the lines of what it's actually like mm-hmm. to be you a just kind of know, know things or things. you, you get more intuition than other people do. Right. So, yeah. So you had, oh, this next one. I love this story. I can't wait. This one's a good one. I like this one. And it's weird too. It's very weird. So. Um, yeah, we could do almost an entire episode on this case alone. We may at some point. Yeah. But I'm going to read the story. Yeah. Also from the same book. Oh, and yeah, let me let me say real quick so we don't get in trouble. The, um, the Sorry to interrupt you. You're fine. The um, website that I was reading all that from was dreadcentral.com. Okay. So from the same book that I read the last story from the death of Elisa Lamb. Now, before I get into the story, 
Um, Mike recognized it. This is a fairly recognizable one, so many people will recognize it. This one actually has a YouTube video that we will link to in the comments. Um, but it is it is essentially a video. Mike, you've seen the video, correct? Oh, yeah. yeah. So just to discuss this video. I remember video, when it happened. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just to discuss this video a little bit. This young lady is videotaped in an elevator. And she... She's in that elevator for like three to six minutes. It's a quite a little yeah, while. Yeah, she's just kind of like in a, like just weird trance or something. Y- in yeah, this elevator. It just, it's just weird. She it looks like she's hiding from somebody at some yeah, point, and, and she then like, she like looks out, mm-hmm. didn't she? And she like jumps out and like kind of yeah. looks and like jumps back in. Yeah, she's and, doing weird shit like that. And and then and then she starts making weird movements of her arms and hands that just don't. I mean, they they're possible to do, but they. Yeah, I hate to say it. Have you ever seen a crackhead on a, on a corner, Mike? Right. That's pretty much what she's it, acting crazy. She is acting completely insane. Yeah. Um. So in this video, that's that's the last time she's seen. That's the last time they see yep. her after she leaves the frame. She's just gone, um, and then she's found later. So here goes the story: the death of Elisa Lam. Elisa Lam was a 21-year-old Canadian student that traveled to downtown Los Angeles on February 19th, 2013. She was found dead inside the water tank of the Hotel Cecil. She came to Los Angeles for a trip she dubbed a West Coast Tour, looking to explore the coast of California, including San Diego, Los Angeles, Santa Cruz, and San Francisco. Elisa was traveling alone, primarily on public transportation. She had already visited San Diego before, and she made her way up to Los Angeles. After two days, she checked into the Hotel Cecil, a hotel originally built in the 1920s. The Hotel Cecil was built initially as a business hotel that fell on hard economic times during the Depression. The Hotel Cecil was originally built as a business hotel that fell on hard economic times during the Depression and continued to decay. Located in an area of Los Angeles known as Skid Row, the hotel was widely associated with famous and controversial crimes in the 20th century. Among them is a 1947 gruesome case of Elizabeth Short, nicknamed by the press the Black Dahlia, possibly in reference to the mid-1946 dark movie The Blue Dahlia, who was found with her body cut in half at the waist and drained of blood. It was rumored that she was last spotted at the Hotel Cecil. Also, in 1964, Goldie Osgood, known as the Pigeon Lady because she, well, loved to feed pigeons, was found raped and murdered in her room on the seventh floor of the same hotel. Several serial killers, such as Richard Ramirez or the Night Stalker, and Jack Unterwager, a.k.a the Vienna Strangler, both resided in the hotel during their killing sprees, not to mention many suicides that have been documented there. Elisa documented her travels on a blog she named Ether Fields, which she began in the mid-2010s. So she was... She was... Fucked up. Well, I mean, Ether Fields does imply that maybe she might be... She was taking some ether. She was gone. She was out there. She was. That also gone. explains the weird movements on the. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
In addition, in addition to traveling, she posted online about fashion and her recent bipolar diagnosis. Her family did not speak about her condition often and tended to, den to deny the existence of the disorder. Elisa seemingly struggled with her condition and sought a forum to discuss her journey. She was supposedly taking mood-stabilizing drugs such as Welbrutrin or Lamictal or Serlaquil or Effexor. Wow, that's a lot of different options that they threw in there. <laughs> <laughs> it could be any of these. Maybe all of them. <laughs> and may have been inclined to suicidal tendencies. One report states that she had previously gone missing before her stay at the Hotel Cecil. In 2012, she posted on her blog, due to a recent relapse, she was taking a semester off school to travel the West Coast. When she set off on her trip, she made sure to keep in touch with her parents daily because she was traveling alone and due to her bipolar disorder. She wanted to make sure that her parents knew she was where she was at all times. On January 31st, 2013, she was due to check in. I'm sorry, she was due to check out of the Hotel Cecil and continue her trip to Santa Cruz. However, that day her parents did not hear from her. They immediately called the Los Angeles Police Department to report her disappearance. After speaking with police, Elisa's parents boarded the next plane to Los Angeles. Hotel staff had seen her that day, stating she was alone, while a local bookstore owner disclosed that she had been she had seen Elisa earlier in the day in her store. The proprietor of the bookstore said Elisa was outgoing and lively, and dropped by the bookstore to buy gifts to take home to her family. No one in the hotel had seen her with any other company. The police searched Elisa's room and brought dogs in to search the hotel for Elisa's scent. However, they were not able to find her. Police were unable to search every room in the hotel because they did not possess probable cause that a crime had actually occurred. After a week of searching, the police took the case national, posting her picture around neighborhoods and businesses in the newspaper and online. Media found out about the mysterious disappearance, and suddenly Elisa Lamb's disappearance was a national concern. By February 14, 2013, two weeks after Elisa Lamb's disappearance, the Los Angeles Police Department released a video showing her the last time she was seen in the hotel. In the video, Elisa is seen getting into an elevator of the hotel and manifesting curious, if not bizarre, behavior. This is what we talked about earlier, Mike. Mm-hmm. This is what got investigators and public perplexed, leading to the proposition of numerous theories regarding her disappearance. The video was a two and a half minute security camera clip offering a fixed view of the inside of the elevator and the hallway right in front. As can be seen, Elisa first enters the elevator wearing a red hoodie and a gray t-shirt, then pushes the buttons for several different floors and proceeds to stand against the elevator wall. Then the door fails to close. Elisa pops her head out of the elevator, looks outside into the hallway, then steps back into the elevator. She repeats this several times, then goes back to the control panel and presses several more buttons. She repeats this several times and then goes back to the control panel and presses several more buttons, some more than once. She then places both hands over her ears and walks into the hall right outside the elevator, then leans against the wall. The elevator doors are still open. Elisa then starts to rub her forearms together 
waving her hands and bowing slightly while rocking forward. She is still in the hallway right in front of the elevator entrance while the doors remain open. She backs away to the wall again, turns to her left, walks out of camera frame. After she walks away, the elevator doors finally close. This video was watched over and over again, causing people of all ages to speculate of what Elisa was experiencing. In the video's first 10 days on social media sites, the video received 3 million views and 40,000 comments. That's a lot of views and a lot of comments in 10 days. Mm -hmm. Some viewers stated that she had been possessed, while others thought that she was playing the elevator game. You ever heard of the elevator game? Mm -hmm. Elevator game is actually kind of interesting. It is supposed that if you press all the elevator buttons in a certain order, you can go to a completely different dimension. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I don't think we're it's going true. down. We're going downtown. We're going to try that out one of okay. times. If they don't let us on the one of those places, they don't let you on the uh, on the elevator. On the elevator, you got to have like an appointment. But yeah, I think it's got to have more than thirteen floors. There is no thirteenth floor. No, I think it's got to have up to 14 floors. Like, it's got to have more than what with 13 floors would be. <laughs> is that what it is, really? <laughs> yeah, there's something about it. A... Like, I don't remember exactly. Um, we'll research it after this. But... Yeah, I'm super interested in that now. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, while others thought she was playing the elevator game, which is supposed to help you travel to another dimension. <laughs> Some reason that she was simply trying to get the elevator to move because somebody was pursuing her, while a body language expert states that she appears to be under the influence of a drug, ecstasy, or some other kind of party drug. After the truth about her mental disorder was discovered by media, they jumped to the conclusion that Elisa was having a mental breakdown and was unaware of her surroundings at the time. She was just super high, you know? I honestly She's think just that that's, freaking out. I, that's possibly what I... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems. She was tripping, man. She was tripping... She was tripping balls, man. Tripping balls. Tripping balls. She probably saw somebody pursuing her. And then they were gone. God, and then man, she was confused. Yeah, she's like, where did you go? And that's where she pops her head out. Yeah. While police... Walls and the, are melting. <laughs> Trying to push all the buttons in the elevator so I can get to a different dimension. (laughs) (laughs) While the police and Elisa's parents continued their search for her, guests of the Cecil began complaining to the hotel management and staff of poor water pressure in their rooms. Other guests in the hotel stated that their water was a strange color and had a terrible odor to it. Hotel employees went up to the roof to inspect the water tanks that pumped the city's water supply to the hotel. On that fateful February day, inside one of the tanks, the body of Elisa Lamb was found floating face up, just a foot below the water's surface. Oh! So so gross. gross. So gross. Imagine being, like, realizing that you've been drinking... Drinking her dead body. Yeah. Oh. Oh. so gross. They're saying that it was weird-colored and smelled foully. Yeah. Oh, it's so gross, man. Like, I'm all about eating people and all, but not yeah. rotten people. Not rotten. Not, not rotten. rotten. That being said, um, hey, I noticed you got a new cape. Yeah. Is that a tactical cape? It is a tactical cape. It's got all those pockets. Yeah. It's for my uh, It's for my cat food. 
Why why do you have cat food in your tactical cape? <laughs> so I can eat it. Oh, okay. So you're okay with eating cat food, but not drinking decomposing human Well, beans? it's not decomposing cat food. It's just cat food. It's just regular cat food. It's, okay, it's, I guess it's still you're right. fresh. I guess you're right. Come on, man. Speaking of which, open up a can here. Mm. There's the... <laughs> Some, some cat God, food here. It smells like whiskers in here now. <laughs> so there's cat inside the cat food. <laughs> I guess so. Cannibalistic cat food. That's a, that's a good band name. Actually, that's a great band name. <laughs> Cannibalistic that, cat food. For all of you listeners out there, that name has been taken. Cannibalistic cat food. <laughs> Cannibalistic cat food. When did I go to Wisconsin and like <laughs> I don't know. gather all of their... <laughs> all right. Almost done. Sorry. Many of the guests immediately checked out, repulsed by the fact that they had been drinking water that had a decomposing body floating in it for the last two and a half weeks. Oh, my God. Oh. So bad. The tanks were drained within hours. Thank God. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for doing that. (laughs) We'll do it within the hour. Oh, Don't drink the water for the next three hours. we got to clean all that out. Excuse me, everybody. Um, there may be reason to boil your water for the next hour or so, yeah. and then the water will be gone. It's perfectly uh, safe to drink after you boil it, so don't yes, worry. just make sure you boil it. <laughs> By noon on February 19th, the day Elisa's body was discovered, her body was pulled out of the tank where she floated dead for two weeks. The entire water system had to be drained, refilled, drained again before the city's health department allowed the hotel to use their water tanks. I don't even think, I don't even think I'd let that happen. I'd be like, no, just burn it. Mm. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's still there. That, that's what's weird. Yeah, it's probably still there. Yeah. Oh. Ugh. Remnants of a possessed girl just floating around in there. Possession. Necrophilia. I know how this words get you going. <laughs> <laughs> Tis the season. A long-term resident made an unusual comment to police that day, stating that one of the upper-level rooms in the hotel had flooded right after Elisa's disappearance. Once Elisa's body was... That's just... I hope there's some explanation to that statement. <laughs> Moving on. I'm reading this cold, by the way. <laughs> Once Elisa's body was removed from the tank, she was taken to the medical examiner's office for an autopsy. Two days after her body was found, the medical examiner stated her cause of death was drowning, with a major contributing factor being her bipolar disorder. The medical report had was postponed for months before it was released to the public. The medical report also stated that Elisa's body was found completely naked, with her clothes floating next to her, in the water tank. That's just weird. Yeah. Like maybe off to the side of the water tank. Did she hang them over there and then they blew in or something? Yeah, that's weird, huh? Her hotel key and watch were likewise found floating in the tank. The clothes found in the tank were the same clothes Elisa was wearing on the hotel elevator video. Her red hoodie and gray t-shirt. It doesn't say what type of pants she was wearing. Weird. Yeah, that is very strange. I think it's a conspiracy. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Everything's a conspiracy. It's true. The medical examiner also mentioned that her clothes were found covered in a strange sandpaper particulate. What the hell does that mean? 
I don't know. I'm hoping it tells us. <laughs> the body was badly decomposed, however, not too deteriorated to determine that she was not sexually assaulted, nor did she have any signs of physical trauma. Additionally, neither police nor the medical examiner found any evidence to suggest that she had committed suicide. Toxicology tests were negative for any kind of illegal recreational illegal or recreational drug. That's weird. But they did show she was taking her bipolar prescription medications. Mm-hmm. Weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those things are bad for you, man. Those things will they'll mess you up, dude. I mean, like those mind they're they're mind altering chemically alter chemical altering drugs, man. It's no bueno. It's fucking it's screwing people up, man. You got real serious there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> you okay there? <laughs> I'm alright, I'm alright. Seriously, man, those those meds, you know, depression medication, um, bipolar medications, all those like um all those drugs, man. They're mm-hmm. messing people up. You know, maybe we'll get into uh, we'll get into the links to those and school shootings and stuff. They're 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 linked to like every single school shooting in modern history. It's weird. Well, my favorite part about those is all the most all the mass shootings, I should yeah. say. All the <clears throat> ads that are like may make you contemplate suicide. Yeah, have I you, thought that was supposed to stop you from contemplating suicide. Have you watched? Uh, unedited footage of a bear no uh, we're gonna watch it after this <laughs> okay anybody out there just it's an adult swim thing um just get on the old youtubes and look up unedited footage of a bear it's awesome we'll watch it after this it's cool maybe we'll put a link to it just cause. second can of cat food yeah get you some cat food <laughs> high in protein Although medical examiners and the police were able to state a cause of death for Elisa, they could not explain how she died. An even more mysterious fact was the water in the tank where Elisa's body was found was located on top of the hotel's roof, with doors and stairs that were always locked, not easily accessed even by hotel staff. If the doors in the stairways had been forced open, an alarm would have sounded. The only way to the roof, aside from the doors to the stairway, was by taking a fire escape, which would have bypassed any alarms and locked doors. The fire escape was obscure, so Elisa would have had to have known it or been with somebody who knew where it was. In addition to the difficulty Elisa faced to get to actually get to the roof, the other issue involved was the height of the water tank. Many investigators believe the water tank were too, was too tall for Elisa to get herself into. The hotel staff had to use a ladder just to look inside the tank. The water tanks were cement cylinders that rose five feet tall, and there was no place, no ladder, no stool from where she could have anchored her feet to hoist herself up and over. I could have gotten over something about five feet tall, but she looked a little yeah, shorter than me. She's, she, was just a, she wasn't a big girl or anything. No, she wasn't that big. So, Till this day, questions and propositions continue to linger. Some people believe that she was high on a cocktail of drugs that went undetected, as they may have broken down in her bloodstream due to the time and condition her body was found in. 
The medical examiners were also not quite convinced that Elisa's death was merely an accident. In their report, they mentioned evidence of subcutaneous pooling of blood in their anus. In her anus. <laughs> in the, the whole hotel? It's a party, dude. <laughs> Things got weird. <laughs> Which could have suggested sexual abuse. However, this may be explained by the bloating in her body. Perhaps one of the most bizarre facts in the case was Elisa's social media account on Tumblr. Elisa's phone was never found and could be presumed lost or stolen around the time of her death. However, posts to the social media account were made after she had already died. Many explain this could have been done via a function on Tumblr that allows a user to schedule when their posts are made public, suggesting the posts were created far in advance. Others, though, have speculated they were posted there from her killer. Elisa's death continues to be a mystery. Meanwhile, the Hotel Cecil is still open and serving guests. It's now called Stay on Main, however, the original building that once went by the name Hotel Cecil is still open for business and more mysterious occurrences. As I said earlier, it's now called Stay on Main. Just for those listeners that want to avoid drinking the water there. As I will... Stay on Main. Stay on Main. Hmm. That's a weird story, man. Well, it's even weirder when you've actually seen the video... Yeah. The video just makes it so weird. I mean, she had she got a toxicology report. Mm-hmm. And people say that it could have broken down in her system. I don't know. What she looked like she was on in that particular video, I don't think that would have broken down. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not I don't know how that stuff works, but like I don't know, man. I think she was she either just went crazy, man. The voices in the hotel were talking to her. You know, just like The Shining, man. Mm-hmm. And that's possible. It's like The Shining. In this story, there is no discussion of the... I mean, it mentions the other deaths. It's very haunted hotel. It mentions the, it mentions the um, killers that stayed there during their spree. Mm-hmm. I mean, it the didn't really go stalker. into like the haunted, yeah. the haunted history of it. It's but, supposed to be really haunted, I believe. And honestly, poss- I think it could be. Yeah. Maybe there hadn't been enough time for some weird thing to happen. So they're like, okay, well, we got to make something weird happen. Here's well, this bipolar girl. Well, it's the same thing as we were talking in the in the Haunting in Connecticut stories. There's so much negative energy that's been in that hotel with all the, mm-hmm. all the crap that's gone on there. Mm-hmm. That it's just like a, it's just like a boiling pot of negative energy, man. You mm-hmm. know? And nothing good is going to come out of that. No. Nothing good is going to no. come out of that. And then when you put somebody in that situation that's in a mentally unstable, curious maybe. position or a mentally unstable position, they're just that much more likely to just go off yeah. the deep end. Now, there are a lot of questions there. She didn't look, in that video, she doesn't look like that big of a girl. So mm-hmm. it would surprise me if she was able to like pull herself up and over a five foot. Um, yeah. tall cylinder. And then, I don't know, I guess pull it open in some sort of way. I, I don't remember exactly what... I remember seeing the aerial photos or the aerial footage of it or whatever mm-hmm. of, of the the containers. Um, 
But yeah, she'd have to do that. And then for some reason, she decided to get naked, throw her clothes in, and then jump in. Yeah. And then drowns in five feet of water. I don't know, man. I'm I'm telling you, I have some experience with, well, only one drug, but I have some experience <laughs> with being under the influence of a couple different things. Yeah. And I have vast experience. <laughs> I, I, I believe that very much so. Um, <laughs> Not that I'm proud of that, but yeah. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever been in a situation except maybe stupid drunk that I wasn't capable of standing up and getting my head above water. No, you just kind of have to, you kind of, she probably just kind of float. You yeah. don't have to do anything. Like even if that was above her head, if she happened to be four foot 10, mm-hmm. you know, you just got to float. Or stand on your tiptoes. Stand on your tippy toes. Like, you know, if you could pull yourself in there, you, you could pull yourself out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I don't get it, you know? Like, unless she, like, hit her head or something. But then, who took her clothes off? Like, there was no there was no one else seen on the cameras that went up there with her. So who was up there with her, you know? Yeah. What, did he drop down from a goddamn helicopter? Like, what the hell? You know? It was on the top of the building. It was aliens. It was aliens. Aliens. That's the only reasonable explanation here. Is they took her clothes off. They probed her butt. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> it's always butt probes. Well, because there was the... Whatever it was. I'm uh, not... sub Subcutaneous... Subcutaneous... Pooling of blood. I don't really know what that means, but there's blood around there, so... Anal bleeding. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Um, I could have probed her. My wife her. knows. She's got that medical terminology uh, stuff down. So yeah. Maybe we'll have her comment on this. Yes. Like, That's what this means. She probably won't do it. Shout out to shout out to Autumn. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, That's a weird story, dude. Yeah, and it's just Doesn't weird that she, that she just... I mean, it said she was on her medication. Now, I know Mike says that it does some weird stuff to you, but it's it also... It can. It can do some weird stuff Yeah, I'm stuff not saying to it always does. It helps a lot of people, I know. But, but but I also believe that it does help a lot of people. Yeah. So if she's on her medication um, and she's been taking it, that also suggests that whatever might have been in her bloodstream that could have been screwing her up would have also been present. Mm-hmm. If the... Um, if the one medication is still in her bloodstream, so would any other drug. Well, and a lot of those too, like, did, did they say that she was possibly on Seroquel? Yeah, or they said a I've bunch. I've taken of a bunch of Seroquel in my teenage years. Um, not, you know, uh, I wasn't prescribed it. I just took a bunch to get all messed up, and it's a really strange really really super strange uh experience mm-hmm. um i had a buddy whose mom was prescribed it for i don't know i can't exactly remember exactly what it was for but for anal bleeding i don't know maybe no she's a nice lady don't don't okay sorry that was <laughs> that was rude she's I a sh- very nice woman i'm sure she was a very nice lady yeah um no but uh but yeah so i remember um, she'd get huge amounts of it and we would, we're little shitheads and took some and it was a very strange experience. Like, um, I remember we were walking around one evening, it's nighttime, it was really cloudy 
and like I was hearing dogs like howling all around me and all this weird stuff and uh, yeah and I was hearing all this weird stuff and it sounded like there were just things like circling around me you know and I, and I looked up at the sky and it was super cloudy and I thought I saw like a huge like alien head in the sky and I was like I'm gonna be get abducted by aliens like literally and uh, this is Mike's biggest fear in the world by the way is alien yeah abduction. it always has been ever since I was a kid but um, not to not to put your, I just put that out just there. Trying I'm to, sorry. Just trying to expose me to the world here, man. I'm sorry, guys. I'm fragile, Mike. I'm sorry. Cut fragile. it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was. I'm just saying, it was it was a really, 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 really strange experience, and it just made you feel totally cra- insane. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I really I didn't like it at all. Well, do you think that it has the opposite effect on somebody that has like? In prescribed amounts, I imagine so, but we took a lot of it, you know? Okay. And All so, right. um, doesn't mean that she didn't take a bunch, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and that's true. And she could have just totally lost it, and they never would have thought any difference because she was prescribed it. Yeah, that's absolutely you true. You know? Um, Maybe she took three times her normal dosage. Yeah. But in any case, it doesn't explain her easily getting into it, somehow getting it open, because, I mean, it doesn't mention it, mm-hmm. but let's be honest, you know those aren't open to the outside air. They can't no, be. No, they can't be. Yeah. They can't just be open to whatever happened, like whatever bird no. happens to shit in it or anything like that. Right. So it's got to be closed. So she yeah. had to climb up there. It's probably there. got a lock or something on it, yeah. I would think. Like, there's got to be something. Yeah. It's but in just... any case, she's got to climb up there. She's got to open it. She's got to take her clothes off. She's got to get in. Her clothes have to get in there, too, somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, some re- like. And then she has to drown. Maybe she passed out in there or something. I don't know, dude. I it's a weird, it's a weird situation. I'm kind of, I'm kind of partial to thinking that the voice that's in her room started talking to her, mm-hmm. and she went crazy. So the place is haunted. Maybe she started freaking out. You know, well, maybe she was all jacked up one night. She was just like super messed up, and then she had some weird paranormal experiences and went crazy and went up and started doing weird stuff. She thought people were following her and all this. She climbs so she into the tank out. to hide. Maybe and, I don't know. You know, it's and then knows? she thinks without her clothes she can climb better <laughs> i guess but then brings her clothes with her because it's easier to climb out with clothes on when they're wet no 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 <laughs> what i'm thinking is she's already in the tank with her clothes on ah. and thinks that with her cl- wet clothes she's too heavy to climb out of the tank so she takes her wet clothes off Maybe. to try to climb out of the tank and then still can't climb out of the tank yeah these this doesn't seem like a logical this doesn't seem like a logical thing that would happen to somebody, though. It doesn't. There's there's a lot Even of... Even Ill- if you're super, super just messed up. I, mean, do you, mm-hmm. I don't see anybody doing something like this. You know, mm-hmm. I just... Because even if you're super messed up, you still have self-preservation on the mind. Yeah. In most cases. Yeah. And I think your, your uh, survival instinct is going to take over at some point mm-hmm. in time as well. You know, and you're, that's not, what... you're probably not going to sit... You know... I mean, it happens or whatever. You know, there's always those people out there that do stupid things, you know, but like. But it it, it harkens back to like the stories uh, in um, Wisconsin of the young college age men that are just out for a night on the town and they disappear and they're found a few days later in the river. Yeah. There's no reason for them to be going into the river. And it and there is stories of um like a siren 
calling them into the river. Hey. Right. Hey, help me, help me, hey. She could have been experiencing something like that, you know? In an hotel like that, like super, super haunted. I mean, I, I mean, it, it's super haunted. The ghost told her where her, where the uh, emergency exit was. The it's um, a shining situation in a way, just yeah. a different, just a different hotel situation. Well, everybody, um, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our spookily dookily episode. Spookily dookily. Spookily dookily. <laughs> um. We really imp- appreciate everybody that has listened so far. There's several downloads that I've seen on the website. Please, please tell your friends, guys. Um, we're really trying to drive this to become a bigger uh, thing than it than it already is. Um, you can now find us on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. You can find us on Facebook, and there's links to all of those on the um, Facebook page. Um, Patreon. Patreon, we please. Just, we just got that going. Please visit our Patreon page. If you're even listening to this at this point, we appreciate that more than you could ever know. And uh, like the most humblest of gratitude there. Um, as far as the Patreon goes, I find it weird asking people for money. Me too. But a dollar is, you know, can down the road really help us out in a huge, huge way. And we'd be so so thankful for anything remember and i mean it's not like we don't want to ask for money but remember that we're doing this out of pocket there are there is overhead that we have to cover so please if there is any um any room in your budget to give us a dollar um that would definitely help us out in the long run definitely definitely very very much appreciated um so yeah thanks uh Thanks, peeps, for uh, listening. I hope all you little ghouls and goblins go get a bunch of Halloween candy and terrorize the neighborhood like we used to do when we were little. And make sure you stay take up all night on your sugar rushes. Tax. You, you what? Make sure they take their ten percent parrot tax. Yeah, I'm not do sure you, what that is. I'm you, not sure what oh, that is. I, I try to do a 10% parent tax. Parent tax. Oh, yes. oh a par- I think he said parrot. Oh. It's like, what's a parent, parent tax? Like somebody dressing up as a... As, <laughs> <laughs> like a, you know, like a pirate or something, you know? <laughs> like a parrot tax. Like, yeah, you got to... every parrot tax. Um, no, absolutely. Uh, parents out there, tax your children at least 10%. You have to make yes. sure that all of the candy is safe. safe. So you've got to test it. you got to test it. <clears throat> so... But really, take care, you know, make sure your kids aren't eating nonsense. And there's a lot of weirdos out there that just do weird stuff to candy for some reason. Yeah. It's a strange world, but uh, either way. Have fun. Enjoy yeah, your holiday. Enjoy it. Happy yeah. Halloween. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.